0: Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. This is the monster from the swamps, Regis Rugeru program It hey, was up. This is King Carlos Polina, former IBF world champ.
1: This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian, and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man Joey Coastman.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 321, episode 321 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by Former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man?
1: I'm good, my man. How you feeling?
2: Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good when speaking with you. Just before we get into this week's podcast, I do wanna say, um, just thank you to everyone that has been listening, you know, throughout the years um sometimes we get some lovely comments and stuff like that and it's you know it really means a lot we get the reviews on itunes and all that and a nice message the other day came in um from long-time listener uh, luigi pelosi he was saying that um, and he said it before he said how wonderful eddie is as an addition to the podcast it's now pretty much full-time joey and eddie and um he said the other day that um, you know, he he completely agreed with Eddie's take on Kenny Porter. Um and he went on to say that, you know, keep up the great work with the podcast. It's still the best out there. Um which, you know, these words really mean a lot. I just want to say thank you to Luigi, myself and Eddie. Appreciate kind words like that. Um I will never say that I don't think I'd ever say that we're the best podcast, but I will say we have the best guests on. I think it's it's you can't really disagree with that, you can't really argue with that. If I may not be the best interviewer, we may not have the best flowing podcast or whatever, but you know, we definitely get the best guests on. And, you know, you're going to hear me say throughout this week's show many times, friend of the show, friend of the show, friend of the show, because all guys that boxed last weekend and guys boxing this weekend have all been on. And for a guy that, you know, started this podcast in a bedroom with a laptop and a and a dodgy microphone, we're not doing too bad. We are, I think, the only podcast as well that's hosted by, um, you know, myself and, of course, a, a former fighter, you know, in Eddie, who got to that top level. I mean, you can, we're so accessible. You can send questions in to Ask Eddie anytime. This is a regular thing every single week. We're both here, the two of us, and we're very accessible. Like I say, send questions in, get our takes, get Eddie's take, if you like. Um, so I think we're doing okay. You know, a guy that started this in a bedroom, uh, doing it every week now with Eddie, a top-level athlete, and we do get the best guests on, I have to say. But the podcast may not be the best. That's up to the listeners. But I think it's very hard to argue that we we probably consistently get the best guests on. Um, unless you're talking about another podcast where they're paying guests and stuff like that. That's a different story. A Sky Sports podcast. Something, you know, some, some kind of podcast with a massive platform behind them. A massive engine behind them. That's not what this is. It's very much um, a one-man band when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but anyways, I will move straight on with a review, and I apologize if I've bored anyone to death with that little rant. Um, yeah, let's let's dive straight into it here. Last Thursday in New York over here, Cassius Cheney, friend of the show. There's there's the first time I dropped that one. Now 21 and one. He lost his O on a split decision over 10 rounds against George Arias, who for me won the fight clearly, actually. George Arias are now 17 and 0. Um like I say, a split decision over 10 there. Also on the card, the son of the late Tommy Morrison, Trey Lippe Morrison. He was 18-0 and with 17 KOs. He got knocked out himself in the first round. So, um, yeah, terrible stuff there for Tommy Morrison's son. He lost to Mike Balagan, who's now 18-0 and himself. Um also on the card, Jerry Forrest, 26 and 4 with two draws. A split draw over 10 rounds against friend at the a show. There's a second one, Michael Hunter. He was on last week's show. Um, I had him on. We did the interview less than 24 hours before his ring walk. Um, he sounded awfully tired. It was almost midnight in the US. It was almost 5 a.m. in, in the UK at the time of the interview. Um, I don't know what was up with Michael. I haven't spoke to Michael. I've reached out to him. He hasn't got back to me yet. I will speak to him. But something did not look right with him. He threw up as well, we've got to mention. He threw up in the in the ring in between the rounds um, or just as one of the rounds were going to start. Something was wrong with him. He looked in bad shape. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say too much. I want to save it for when I speak to Mike. I think Mike appreciates my honesty. I'll be real with him. He was He was terrible. He was terrible. Um, a lot of people saying he, he didn't deserve to even get the draw. Lou DiBella was going crazy. The, the the guy that promoted the show. And of course promoted and promotes, I should say, Jerry Forrest. Um, but no, it wasn't the best of Michael Hunter. He had a good couple rounds at the start. And Jerry Forrest, who I've seen a few times, he usually fades towards the end. He actually got stronger towards the end. And Mike was fading very quickly in the fight. Um, yeah, no excuses. He wasn't good enough. And based on that, you know, that kind of performance against a Dillian White, against an Anthony Joshua. All these people I've been saying he would beat, mm, I think he could even get stopped by them on that performance. I'm just being honest. Um, Yeah, I I need to speak to Mike, that's for sure. Moving out now, though, to Germany. Over here we had Dennis Radovan, 14-0 now, 15-0 with a draw. He was able to knock out in round eight Brian the Lion Rose, who's now 32-8 with a draw. Brian Rose, another friend of the show former world title challenger. This one was for the IBF European middleweight title. So far, the three friends of the show that I've mentioned have none of them have won a fight yet, so hopefully that improves as we move on. On the undercard, Abbas Baral with a win as well, 11-1 and one now, a unanimous decision over 10 against Meriton Karasha, who's now 29-6 and six with three draws. Christina Hammer as well returned to the ring with a first round knockout against Daniele Bastieri, who's now 3-2, but Christina Hammer now 27-1, and one, the one loss to Clarissa Shields. Um, yeah, I want to see her back in the mix. She's a good fighter, to be honest with you, but Clarissa was brilliant when she boxed her. Uh, moving out now to Bill Bow over here, Carmen Leharaga, um, the Spaniard. Now 34 and two. As I thought, to be honest, he knocked out in round nine. Britain's very own Jack Flatley, now 17 and two with a draw that one for the EBU European Super Welterweight title. Flatley down in the first round, the eighth round, and the ninth round. Um, Campbell Hatton on the undercard as well, he moved to 5-0 and and he picked up his first knockout, would you believe it, um, one fight he's had out of the five that wasn't on a major platform, a big undercard, he goes and fights in Spain, um I don't even know if they televised it maybe it was on YouTube or something like that I didn't watch it I'll be honest with you but he got a knockout when the pressure wasn't on when he didn't have all those crazy mancunians with blue man city shirts screaming his father's name um you know he didn't he didn't have that pressure and he delivered the knockout against a guy who Had a record, or now has a record, of 10 and 25. And that is by far the most experienced guy he'd ever boxed. I mean, his previous opponent's records were 0 and 10, 0 and 4, 4 and 4 with a draw, and 2 and 4. This guy had um, 34 fights, you know. So, credit to Campbell Hatton, getting him out of there in round 2. He had him down twice in the first round. Good stuff for young Campbell Hatton. Uh, moving out now to the York Hall Bethnal Green London. This one took place on um, Friday the 3rd of December. We had Tyson Fury sat ringside cheering on one of his many boxing cousins. This time Isaac Lowe, friend of the show. And he lost as well. It seems like we're cursing people. Um, he's now 21-1 and one with three draws Devastating loss. He was knocked out in round 7 to Luis Lopez, who's now 24-2. and two. Lowe was down in the very first round from a left hook, and he was down in the second round, and he was knocked out by a body shot in the seventh. Um, I I did see the fight. I cannot remember if the stoppage was a good one or not, but, yeah, he was down on the cards. He gave it his all Isaac at Lowe. It's a shame, because I've always said it before. He was a guy that was avoided underappreciated for many many years he had to work a full-time job he was a part-time boxer and he pretty much trained all he could he'd be in the van with the rest of the gang uh you know going to work every day i think paving driveways stuff like that tough job and then to go in the gym afterwards you know and um he's got a little family now as well i think he's recently married recently uh got got a child so, um, a lot going on in Isaac's life. I'm not sure if he's a full-time pro now. He might be. But, um, you know, this was a step up that he needed. And no no fault of his own that he hadn't had it prior to this. But his record was building up, building up, building up. He arguably beat Ryan Walsh. Didn't get the decision that night. Um, so, yeah, it's been a slow burner for Isaac Lowe. And he's still young enough to turn it around. He is. But, um, yeah, needs to go back and change some stuff there because I thought he could beat this guy and he, he lost, like I say, down three times. It seems like he just was not, um, you know, good enough to hang with with that level and that level is not world level just yet. So, he needs some rebuilding there. Um, I think, you know, with the right kind of fights picked for him, he can go on another good, good run. You know, I think he's definitely European level. I just think he needs the fights. Um... Elsewhere on the card, friend of the show, former WBC Flyweight World Champion. He did win. He's now 17-1, a TKO in round two for Charlie Edwards against Jacob Barreto, now 13-4. and Barreto down from a left hook, didn't get back up. Moving out now to the Fortitude Music Hall in Queensland, Australia. This one over here, friend of the show. Lucas Brown, former WBA heavyweight world champion, got in with a guy called Fager Opelu. Never heard of him. His record was 14-2 and two with a draw. He was the big favourite against Lucas Brown. He was winning the fight, but he got knocked out in round seven. It was for the vacant WBA Oceana heavyweight title. So I'd imagine Lucas Brown might even get himself a top 15 ranking there with the WBA. Um, but yeah, Faye got knocked out. So it seems like we're turning it round now. The curse has come undone. Two wins for our friends at the shows. Moving out now to Cologne in Germany. Over here, I think he's 42 years of age now. Firat Arslan with a KO in round four against Alejandro Berrio. Now 39-10. and 10. That one for the WBA international Cruiserweight title, Firat Arslan. Um, That's his 50th win. He's 50-9 with three draws. Moving out now to the Copper Box Arena over here in London. Let's start with the undercard. Um... A win for a guy on the undercard. I said it on last week's show. He has the best name in boxing, Sonny Liston Lee, Now two and zero, a points win over four there against Lee Hallett. Um, Charles Franken with a win now four and zero, a TKO in round four against Constantine Radoi, who's zero and four. Um, we had uh, a guy called Carol Itauma. now five and zero, a knockout in the first round against Tamás Lasker. Um it was a body shot in the first round. Tamas Leska boxed Archie Sharp, got stopped by Archie Sharp, I think, in three rounds. And he boxed him, I don't know, three or four years ago. Since then, he's put on um he's put on thirty-five or forty-five pounds, and he's now a light heavyweight. He went from being a super featherweight to a light heavyweight. <laughs> um what else did we have on the card? We had George Fox, the son of Don Charles, lose his O. Um, he lost his O over eight rounds to Kamil Sokolowski. Such a tough guy. We all we all said it. We all know about this guy now. He's a nightmare. He should have arguably beaten David Adelaide. He certainly beat George Fox there. No robbery on the cards. Um, very pleased for him, you know. And who would want to fight this guy? I felt it was a really risky fight from the off. I said it on last week's show. Extremely risky fight. Couldn't get any odds on the fight, unfortunately. But Kamil Sokolowski with the win. Um... What else do we have? Dennis Dennis McCann, he looked brilliant, by the way. He really did. He did get cut, which was a shame. It was a head clash in the sixth round, but he won every round on points over eight against Juan Gerardo. Now 15-5 and five with three draws. Dennis McCann now 11-0. and 0. Um, Sam Noakes with a win. He almost went the distance for the first time in his pro career, but no, he knocked out in round nine Sean Cooper, who they said on the commentary had, I think... Um, was it his wedding booked for like, or his honeymoon or something like that? He was going away with his partner, I think, to Ibiza for the following day. He's going to be going there with a bit of a busted up face, knocked out in the ninth round. There for the vacant WBC International silver lightweight title. Down once in the ninth round, Cooper. Sam Noakes still 8-0 with 8 KOs. Um, Hamza Shiraz with a questionable win. A knockout in round 9. He's now 14-0 against friend of the show Bradley Skeet. He was on last week's show or the week before. Um, Yeah, the week before. He's now 29-4. Bradley Skeet. Uh, That one was for the WBO European Super World to Weight title. Now, it was crazy. So, first things first. Bradley Skeet was boxing a perfect, perfect fight. Okay? He was certainly winning the fight. Then, we get to... Which round was it? Round 8, I believe it was. If I remember correctly, I can't remember if he was down and it wasn't ruled. And then Hamza hit him when he was down. Um... I I, I think that's what happened. I think, yeah, that that is what happened. Bradley Skeet goes down. Initially, I don't think they even called it a knockdown. Hamza Shiraz, I believe, hits him three times while he's clearly down. Sends him to the canvas. The referee takes away a point from Hamza Shiraz when, realistically, he could have disqualified him. He should have disqualified him. Then Bradley Skeet gets given some time. But when he gets back up, he's still not recovered. And then he goes down... And, um, you know, I don't know what the scoring would be there because he then goes down. So I'm guessing, what's that? A point took off either way. Uh, you know, a point taken off one guy, then he gets a knockdown. What's that? What's that, Eddie? Is that an 8-8 eight, eight or a 9-9 nine, nine or whatever? I'm getting confused myself now. I think it would be a 9-9, nine, nine, if I'm not mistaken. 9-9, nine, nine. okay. Something like that. Yeah, I so, think so. I would, I think. So, yeah, he drops him. Then the... The um, you know, they go back to the corner. Um, then he comes out and gets knocked out in the ninth round. He goes down. Um, you know, you
1: you, you know what? You you know you know what? I think I'm sorry. I think because the guy who's who lost the round, I would think would lose a point. But even the guy who won the round would then lose a point. So it might be like nine eight, which is kind of a weird card. But I think that might have back something like that.
2: Okay. Well, anyways, Go
1: go ahead, finish.
2: Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Bradley Skeet comes out the next round, gets stopped. Um, yeah, and basically he's petitioning it now with the British Boxing Board of Control. They were having a, or they had a meeting this week. I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be, but a lot of people saying it should have been a disqualification. They're maybe going to review the outcome there. And the main event, friend of the show, Lyndon Arthur, now 19 and one. But he was knocked out in round four of this rematch between himself and friend of the show, Anthony Yard, now 22-2. and He's avenged one of his defeats there. I'd like to see him try and avenge the other one against Sergei Kovalev. But anyway, that's another story. This one was for the WBO Intercontinental and Commonwealth light heavyweight titles. Lyndon Arthur knocked out in round four. Um, a big right hand to finish proceedings. And I've got to say... Um, I know you didn't watch the first fight, Eddie, but I'll give you a brief rundown of the first fight. Lyndon Arthur in the first fight hurt his right hand. He couldn't really throw the right hand. And he pretty much jabbed his way to a victory. And in the final round, Anthony Yard really poured it all out because it was the last round. And he hurt Lyndon Arthur. But people were saying, why didn't he start earlier? Why didn't he try with all this aggression earlier on in the fight? Um, he didn't think he needed to. He still felt he won the fight, but pretty much no one else apart from him and his corner felt he won. So for me, Lyndon Arthur was the rightful winner. Then in the second fight, Lyndon Arthur now has two good hands. And it almost was as if having two good hands, meaning meaning he didn't have to be so defensive-minded, actually was his undoing and led to him getting steamrolled, really, by Anthony Yard in that second fight. Um, yeah, what did you see of it? Because I know you saw some of the highlights, I believe.
1: I, I actually watched, uh, I think, the entire fight, if I'm mistaken. <laughs> but uh, I mean, because I remember watching different parts. They're just thinking, you know, watching the fight. And it was like after, I think, I was watching the highlights of uh, Tank and, um, and Pitbull. I couldn't say his last name. Cruz, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was... It, honestly... If, from, from what you're saying about the first fight, him having one hand, and I can kind of attest to that with uh, Tomas. If I was to fight him again, having two, I'm already a defensive-minded fighter in a sense, so it would actually kind of work for me even better, and I would actually have a better out punch output, but still be defensive. It looked like it hurt Lyndon Arthur, to be honest, from just the initial, you know, just watching how he, he approached the fight in general. But then again, Anthony Yar came out really really on fire like he came out bom- like not bombing but aggressive like you could just see his demeanor was to just right the wrong right away you know what I'm saying and he actually looked good he looked sharp he actually his hands looked pretty quick punch selection wasn't terrible and he, and he was aggressive like he hurt him I think in the first round too if I'm not mistaken he hurt him you know landed some good shots and just stayed that way the entire fight which is what he should have probably done in the, in, in the, in the first fight but um and I guess with Lyndon Arthur, we could—you know, I've seen some good stuff from him, too, in that fight. i seen him actually, you know, c- throw a couple rock-off right hands, some counter-right hands over the top, and caught Anthony Yard pretty decent, but he just really couldn't sustain it. You know what I mean? I, get, I think he, he was a little—and I was just, just watching him. He left his head on the line a little bit too long, knowing how busy uh, uh, Anthony Yard was being and, and, and as aggressive he, as he was being— he wasn't really defending the right way. I think he went to the ropes a little bit too much. Already fair, you know, kind of tall, kind of leaning back, straight up, big target. It just, it just wasn't good. It, it looked to me, from what I've seen, that um, I don't know if it was him, you know, having two hands, uh, but I think it was just his defense in general that was just a little bit lacking, and he didn't have the offense to keep him off at this point too. I think. And I think, honestly, Anthony Yard was just determined. He was really determined he was going to get the win and he was going to be aggressive. And and, and I don't think he was thinking about decision. I think he was thinking knockout.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing I didn't like too much, uh, I'm being honest here, you know, I like both guys, but I said it on last week's show, I bet they won't waste any time getting Anthony Yard a title shot if he wins. And... They didn't really have that same kind of urgency with Lyndon Arthur when he won the first fight. Um, so yeah, following the the um, the win for Anthony Yard, Lyndon Arthur has been released by Frank Warren. He was promoting both of them, of course, for the first fight and the second fight. Lyndon Arthur been released by Frank Warren. Apparently this was Um, an agreement that they had before the fight took place. It's not like he just dumped him off afterwards. Apparently, Lyndon Arthur said if he were to lose, then he would like to walk away from Frank Warren, and he has done that. It seems a bit of a weird agreement to have, but um, yeah, I'm not sure where Lyndon Arthur goes from here. I mean, he shouldn't be kicked too far down the pile because he did beat um, Anthony Yard. I wouldn't mind seeing the third fight, of course, but yeah, I mean, he's still he'd still be a good test for all the other guys domestically. I mean, it's probably the hottest division domestically. So there's many names for him. I just hope that the fights can happen. I'm not sure where he's going to end up now. Promotionally as for Anthony yard though. Like I say, they've already lined him up with the winner of Callum Johnson and Joe Smith jr. Um, so he's right in place there. No surprise at all. Um, Moving on now to... Where shall we go after this? Let's go to uh, the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. This one, of course, Saturday night. Um... What do we have? On the undercard, we had a win for Philip Hergovic, now 14-0. A TKO in round three against Emir Amatovic, who is now 10-1. Amatovic down twice in the second and once in the third round there for the IBF International Heavyweight title. Austin Amo-Williams with a knockout, a second round knockout against Quatavius Cash. He's now 9-0, and Williams, and Cash is 14-3. and um. What else do we have? Jessi- Jessica McCaskill with a TKO win in round seven against Candy Wyatt, who's now ten and four. That was a defense there of Jessica's WBC, WBA, IBF, IBO, and WBO welterweight world titles. She's still undisputed at one four seven. Um, she's now eleven and two. Montana Love with a win as well. A TKO in round three against Carlos Diaz. Carlos Diaz now 29-2. and Montana Love now 17-0 and with a draw. Impressive there on his matchroom debut. Um, weird thing about him. I mean, it works for him. It's not something I'd want. But his girlfriend or his wife or whatever, his partner, she is with him right up until the dying moment of a fight. Like, she was with him, I think, like... Um, hugging him and playing with his hair and stuff right before his ring walk. And I was thinking, like, really? I mean, I wouldn't want that. I, I, you know, he likes to have her very, very involved. Some fighters it wouldn't work for at all. Um, I I don't know if she was in the corner, but I had the feeling she's going to be in the corner. Like, I think she was right there, like, stroking his hair and stuff while he was getting his hands wrapped. It was quite quite strange. Um, but, you know, if it works for him, then it works for him. His surname is Love. We we can let him off there. Um, moving to the main event on that card. Uh, Devin Haney now 27-0. and 0, A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Joseph Jojo-Diaz. Oh, I've been forgetting to say friend of the show for everything. Let me rewind it. Friend of the show, <laughs> um, Devin Haney and Jojo-Diaz and Jessica McCaskill. So, um, yeah. Little shout-out to all of those. But, yeah, Devin Haney with the win, like I say, uh, for the WBC Lightweight World title. A successful defense for him. He's still undefeated. Going to run through the rounds. Diaz, for me, in the first round barely threw a punch. Uh, The side of his head was reddening as well that early on. It was a weird start. Haney was letting his hands go. He was more aggressive, really, than I expected. But nothing was coming back, so I guess he wasn't really doing anything too risky. Um, round two I gave to Haney again. Joseph felt he won it. He, he asked his corner at the end of the round, but no, for me he was he was getting closer. He was letting his hands go with with you know stiff jabs and hooks, but Haney for me was the much busier fighter. that's why I gave him the round. Round three. Again I gave to Haney. Um, Diaz was getting closer, but Haney was just busier again. Round four I gave to Diaz. Just about. I mean, he caught Haney with some nice backhand lefts from that southpaw stance. But at the end of the round, um, Haney did take over again. But I did just about give the round to Diaz. Round five I gave to Haney. I felt Haney did well at keeping the fight on the outside. And not allowing Diaz to get on the inside and be rough and tough like he wanted to be. Um, Haney was also able to get the full leverage on his shots from the outside as well. Diaz's work rate dropped as well. 4-1 I had it to... Haney after five I gave Haney the sixth round as well so five one um, going into the second half I gave Diaz the seventh round just again he just about won it really because it was based off of two big left hands that Diaz landed but nothing much else happened for him um, five two round eight I gave to Haney round nine was a really close round the commentators said Diaz needed a big round and he got it but I am not sure I gave the round to Diaz. He landed two or three big shots, but so did Haney, and again, I felt Haney was busier. Diaz wasn't jabbing his way in either. He kept walking forward in straight lines. He was fighting like a one-punch knockout artist, and he was paying the price. His his face uh, was getting tagged again and again. Um, yeah, so I had it seven to two. And then I gave the tenth round to Haney I had it eight to two and then I just decided to stop scoring it in the last two rounds Joseph Diaz needed a knockout or a whole heap of knockdowns and you know to be fair he did rock Haney quite badly for a second but Haney did well to recover quickly and start firing back but all in all a really impressive performance from haney um, a mature performance when you get the measuring stick out and look at his most recent wins and stuff like that um You know, the standout name has to be uh, Jorge Linares. However, he didn't so much come through that fight unscathed. He didn't get the stoppage like many other guys did against Linares. And this, for me, even though Joseph Jojo Diaz is not as decorated as Jorge Linares, it is the best win of Haney's career, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Not as decorated, but just more impressive in the way he got the win. Is that fair to say, Eddie? I know you saw the fight as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, uh, you know, being that Jojo Diaz was was a champion too and more recent and more of a, you know, live guy, you know, a live contender at this point for a title, I think no doubt about it, was uh, that was his best win. And I think he, I think he, I can agree with you. I think he looked good, but I think there's things that he definitely needs to improve upon. I think, his defense man you know what i mean it's it's, i know most people like his defense like yeah his defense i feel like he he put it he puts himself in position to be hit sometimes a little too much trying to take chances catching guys in the middle of combinations which is which is good it's nice because he has good reflexes and all he can get it off but i think he gets hit at the wrong time a little bit too much he takes chances that he really shouldn't take unnecessarily and um I do like his footwork and a lot of things he does in, in creating space to land counter shots and, and things like that. But I still think a lot of times his head's on the line until a little too long. He doesn't move his head a ton. He moves his head a bit, you know, but not enough. You know what I mean? Not, not, and not in a way, like, if you look at Shakur Stevenson, like, I like to look at him and how he fought, you know, our, our, our guy Jamel, you know, but he was defensively sound, moved his head at the right time. I feel like he looked for good open shots at the right time, even though he was aggressive. I still think he stayed defensively responsible. I think at times, Devin is a little bit irresponsible defensively, and I think sometimes that's why he gets caught. Like, he got caught with Lanares. He got caught in this fight a couple of times. And thank God that this guy wasn't such a huge puncher, because if he was might have got hurt might have got put down things like that would happen you know what I mean and it, I mean and no matter what that doesn't just just because you know he's he's uh he, he's a good talented top fighter Of course everybody gets caught and maybe gets knocked down I mean not everybody gets knocked down but you know most do so I mean it's not a terrible uh, uh, thing at this point but um he's gotta correct it because if he's gonna step in there with those other big four that we that we know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough night if he gets caught with one of the with, the, with those shots from like say a Ryan Garcia or a Tank Davis or or somebody like that and and, and even even if Tiafimo stuck around for a little longer you know what I mean so he can't be in line to get hit with those big shots from bigger punchers you understand so um, all in all great performance I thought he did a great job I just think he needs to tighten up a little bit more on the defensive focus not saying he doesn't have the ability but he just needs to focus on it a little bit more when uh, when he's in there with some of these guys.
2: And moving on to the final card, it took place at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. This one, of course, on Showtime pay-per-view. It was a good undercard. Um, I don't know if I'd say it lived up to it expectation-wise. Um, you know, like, I don't know. There was a few... I mean, pretty much all the fights went the distance, actually. Um, no in fact i think the entire card even the untelevised fights went in the distance so let me run through it um friend of the show Malik warren now six and0 a unanimous decision over six rounds against eric Mamriquez, who's now two and th- uh, sorry seven and 13 with a draw Ava knight former world champion now 20 and two with five draws a unanimous decision over six rounds against nancy alba who's now Uh, 19 and 16 with two draws credit to Ava Knight who I think has recently had a baby and then has returned to boxing so um, she I think had had been messed around a few times for fight dates. she was really happy to have been fighting and credit to her she, I think, posted a really um, interesting post on Instagram. You know, she'd been attacked by a lot of Twitter trolls and stuff like that. I don't think she wanted anyone to know that she was pregnant because people were kind of saying, ah, you know, women shouldn't be fighting and women's boxing so bad. And look, she's having a baby. That kind of stuff. And it really made her feel quite insecure. And she was brave for the post she put out. Um, so credit to her for getting over that that obstacle there, and returning to the ring, doing what she does best and loves most. Um, friend of the show, Lewis Arias, coming off the best win of his career against Jarrett Hurd last time out, looking to pick up win number 20, but he lost. He's now 19-3 and with a draw, and he lost a split decision over 10 rounds to brother of Devon, Vaughn Alexander, now 16-6 with a draw. Um, Arias deducted a point in round 5 for use of the shoulder. Shocking, to be honest with you. Arias coming off a great win. Vaughn Alexander coming off a first round, I think, knockout loss to Zach Parker. I want to say so. Both guys, I mean, Arias coming off his best win. Vaughn Alexander coming off his worst loss. <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen in that in that squared circle. Um, Sergei Derevianchenko now. 13 and 4. I think that's a few losses on the bounce for him now. A majority decision loss to Carlos Adames, now 21 and 1. Um I think someone put out a post saying that he has never been the A side for any of his fights, any of his big fights. He's never been a title holder, but I think he's still made $10 million. That's incredible. Good stuff for him. And he's only had, that's his 17th fight right there. But he's had hard fights. Don't get me wrong. He's been in there with um, Daniel Jacobs, been in there with um, Jamal Charlo, been in there with Gennady Golovkin, Um, and a couple of others, I think. But yeah, he got in there with Carlos Adamez, and it was a loss. I mean, the other guys he's lost to are world champions. This guy hasn't yet reached that kind of level, so that says a lot about Adamez, or does it say a lot about Derevianchenko? Maybe it's time for him to think about retirement early on, um, after a really you know successful amateur career as well. Elsewhere on the card, Sebastian Fundora, the towering inferno, six foot six, he's now 18 and 0 with a draw. Um, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Spain's Sergio Garcia, who some people felt won the fight. He's now 33-1. I always knew that fight was going to go the distance. I cashed in on that. Um, I didn't think Fondora would be able to knock out Garcia. I think Garcia is very, very tough. Used his footwork a lot in there. Um, the the size discrepancy was incredible. Seeing the two in the middle of the ring. It was like, what the hell? He just looks so freakish, Fondora. But very exciting fighter. And he took a lot of shots. He was bleeding. I think his nose might have been broken. But um, I really like the guy. And um, it's another you know very solid, tough test that he's come through there. So he... Is certainly one to watch once again. I think he was like my number one prospect or something of the year last year. He was very active, had some great wins. Um, And moving on to the main event, Javante Tank Davis, friend of the show. Now 26-0, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Isaac Cruz, now 22-2 with a draw. Again, some people felt Cruz won the fight. It was for the WBA lightweight world title, Javante Davis, deciding to stay at lightweight and vacate his 130 world title, by the way, just, I think, a few hours after this fight. Uh, he had two belts in two weight classes, infamously, but he's now 26-0, and like I say, he got the win. I think he won the fight. I wasn't scoring it round by round, but I think he won it quite clearly in the end. And um, he moves on once again. But like I say, another friend of the show, um, he he talked about Lomachenko afterwards. He he name dropped a few guys. Cambosos was there ringside, just like he was there for the Haney fight as well. I gotta say, Cambosos, I'm loving it, man. He beat Teofimo Lopez. He's been at at, at Hank's. Uh, uh, sorry, not Hank. He's been at Tank's fight, and he's been at um been at um, Haney's fight. And he looks a million dollars, man. He walks around in those suits and the, and the glasses. I don't even think he needs glasses. He wears them for fashion statements, I think. And he looks amazing. He just looks a million dollars. Coming off a brilliant win. He hasn't gone back to Australia, you know, to go and see his young family or anything like that. He's just riding this crest of a wave. And he's just out there floating around in the States. He's like, a, honestly, he's like a James Bond, like an Australian James Bond. I'm loving it. I think he has now gone back to the to, to Australia, finally. But um, whilst he was hanging around, he, he looked pretty cool. And his performance, I mean, was the cherry on the ice and on the cake uh, beating Teofimo Lopez. But that brings the review part to a close. The final thing for me to do before we wrap up part one is to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning WBO light heavyweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Joe Smith Jr. Joe, welcome back on the show, my man. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me.
2: Hey, it's my pleasure. So, Joe, we last spoke back in January. Uh, it was just before the the scheduled February date with Vlasov. Obviously, the fight got pushed back to April in the end. Just briefly tell me about that night, Joe. What it meant to you to become champion, um, and also the fight itself. Obviously, Vlasov very tough. It was a close and hard fight.
0: Yeah, it was uh, definitely a tough, entertaining fight. You know, um, you know it was uh, you know very hard, but expected fight you know he has a lot of experience he's a great fighter and just his particular style you know with mine you know was a little uh, rough but uh you know we pulled it off in the championship rounds you know we came in tough and uh we we came home with the win
2: it was amazing to see you achieve that. Um obviously the main reason you're on uh, uh, now obviously is is because your next fight's been announced January 15th in New York. Your last fight against Vlasov was in Oklahoma. This is um a homecoming here. I'm guessing you're going to have a big crowd show out for you.
0: Um we'll see. You know, it's it's still quite a ways from uh my hometown, but um
2: you know, we should get a
0: decent crowd to come and if they can't make it there, they'll be home watching. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really am. Um, that'd be my first you know, title defense. And, you know, I worked really hard to get here. You know, I accomplished my goal to become a world champion. But uh, now there's a new uh, goal set in mind. So I got to get past uh, Johnson and look good doing it. This way I could uh, make the next goal come true
2: and you t- you're taking on Britain's Callum Johnson you mentioned last time we spoke i remember bringing Johnson's name up to you you were very respectful of him do you still hold him in high regard approaching this fight with him
0: oh yeah definitely you know he's uh he's a tough hungry guy he's a big puncher you know he's very aggressive so you know i'm i'm doing what i need to do in camp i'm pushing myself every day to make sure i have that conditioning and uh that strength to keep up with him and um you know i'm i'm excited for the fight and I'm, i uh you know i plan to make a statement that night that uh i'm one of the best and you know i want to uh move on from there and go after the other champions
2: and joe i want to ask as well i want to ask if you've seen either of um, Johnson's last two fights I'm guessing you're probably going to watch him if you haven't already seen him but have you seen his last two performances people are saying that he doesn't seem like the same fighter he was I don't know a couple years ago yeah I mean
0: I've I've seen uh, I've seen uh, a few tapes of him um, you know still I think he's uh, a dangerous guy he's a big puncher and um, you know I believe I just got to be smart in there and um, pick him apart
2: and everyone that I speak to about this fight, they're saying, you know, a knockout is guaranteed. There's no way it goes the distance. Would you agree with that? Obviously, you're both huge punchers.
0: I mean, it, yeah, we're both huge punchers. So, But, you know, we're also two tough guys, you know, so anything's possible.
2: But, um, you yeah, know, I'm hoping to make a statement and get them out of there early. Okay. And I don't know if you paid attention to it, but we had a big fight here in the UK between two light heavyweights on the weekend, Anthony Yard avenging his loss to Lyndon Arthur. After the fight, Frank Warren said that Anthony Yard would fight the winner of yourself and Johnson. Is that something that you know that's been spoke about at all, or is it too early to talk you know, too early to kind of get in that conversation?
0: Um I mean who knows i mean obviously i guess that's something they're looking for but as far as you know me my decision is i uh, you know i want to go after baturbi after this i want you know if he gets past his fight and looks great you know i and i get past mine and look great i would like to get a unification match
2: and let's speak about that obviously you know Baturbiev I believe is in action is it next weekend against Marcus Brown um how do you see that fight going Joe? so it's a it's a tough fight I think that one for um for Baturbiev
0: Yeah I think their styles make for uh an entertaining fight because you know Marcus is a you know great boxer and he, he can punch but I believe Terbiev is just too aggressive for him and he'll break him down eventually but we'll see what happens because hey, if Marcus looks great in the first couple of rounds and he's comfortable you know anything can happen in that fight
2: <laughs> so it sounds like you think is going to win do you want Brown to win though or do you not really care
0: uh, I don't really care I prefer, <laughs> uh, I'd prefer to be the one to beat uh, Beterbiev <laughs> okay. and I can see okay. myself doing that in the future but I gotta get past Johnson you know it's I'm taking it one fight at a time but you know I have a goal set in mind and that's to fight Beterbiev next and then redeem myself against Bivol and have all the belts.
2: Yeah, Bivol was well fighting this weekend um in Russia. Um I want to get you I think you've kind of already given it to me I was going to ask your prediction for the for your fight um January 15th. you said KO early, you sticking with that firmly? Uh
0: you know that that's what I hope for, but you know i'm I'm well prepared to do the 12 rounds and you know, just I, I'm gonna look good doing it. I plan to win this fight and uh, you know continue moving on as a champion and uh, unifying this division.
2: And uh, we've got a rule on this podcast. Everyone I interview in the month of December every year, I like to ask them, what's on your Christmas wish list in terms of your boxing career? Um, where can you be and where do you want to be in a realistic world this time next year? This time next year? Uh, I'm preparing to fight Canelo
0: as the unified champion. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a fantastic... Uh... Fantastic uh, wish list. Yeah, go on. Sorry, what were you gonna say? Go on.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know it's a tough, you know, tough task ahead of me. You know, I have to to stay in the gym. I have a lot of work to do, but you know, I would love to uh, unify this division. That's the main goal for the year.
2: Yeah, we'd love to see you do that as well, Joe. Just before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words for your supporters here in the UK, but also worldwide. Um, But like I say, there are so many guys over here that are supporting you in your career and even supporting you against Callum Johnson as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, thank you all. You know, I hope you all tune in on the fight. And, uh, you know, I'm going to put on a great show for everybody and uh, make another statement that um You know, just getting better and better with each and every fight I have. And I'm going to, I plan to take over the division.
2: We absolutely cannot wait for the fight. We will all be tuning in. Listen, Joe, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and a good luck for July, sorry, not July, January 15th.
0: Yes, thank you. appreciate it, and uh, same to you.
2: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Um, we're going to start here with the unfortunate fact that Tommy Furious had to withdraw from his fight that was set to take place with Jake Paul, December 18th. Um, that's a, a huge, huge shame there. Um, Everyone was looking forward to that fight. Let's all be honest. We did want to see what was going to happen. But Tommy Fury's pulled out the fight with a broken rib. And I think he's ill as well. Like a viral infection. Something like that. Um, He's he's provided an MRI scan to back up his statement about the broken rib. Seems a real shame um and in steps Tyrone Woodley for the rematch with Jake Paul on the same date so we will see Jake Paul fight not that that was the main attraction for most boxing fans it was seeing Tommy Fury fight but you know we we will see that rematch with Jake Paul and Tyrone Woodley and um Tommy Fury will be will be at home for that one there um in other news it's going to be very brief here but the the uh the the boxing hall of fame the the uh international boxing hall of fame have inducted um a, a class of fighters do you know eddie who's been inducted in this class of 2022
1: honestly i have no clue man All right, i definitely so want to hear
2: the names here are the names that have been inducted miguel Cotto. oh yeah he's definitely deserving yeah
1: he's miguel he's Cotto. definitely yeah he's 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 a, he's a great fighter he's won multiple titles he's Fought greats, other greats, beat other greats. Yeah, he, he should be in the hall.
2: Holy Home.
1: Um, I mean, for, for women's boxing, you know what I mean? I mean, honestly, I, I don't pay as much attention as maybe I should have, but she's done some in, very interesting things, you know, and then, you know, beating Ronda Rousey kept her name around. So, you know, it's a possibility. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, obviously, she's there.
2: Roy Jones Jr.
1: Absolutely. Roy Jones Jr. might be the best to ever put gloves on. A lot of people don't even, you know, acknowledge that possibility, but, but it's, it's definitely the truth. The man is great.
2: And finally, James Lights Out Tony.
1: You already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> he, he should have been. He's definitely in the hall. He's one of my fa- He's He's my favorite fighter to watch. One of the best skilled fighters of all time. And that's barring no one. He really is. He is everything that he that he said he that not he said. But everything that you would hope for in a boxer, like tough, take one to give one, which I don't necessarily like that part, but it adds to the uh, entertainment factor. Also, his 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 skill with catching and throwing punches, slipping, rolling, shoulder rolling, everything you want, man. You can see with James Tony.
2: There we go. That is the end of the news segment. Moving on to the preview part of the show. Going to start here in Russia. Um, we're going to start with this card at the RCC Boxing Academy. Over here we have Arsene Gulamirian who's 26-0. Um, he's defending his WBA Super World Cruiserweight title against Alexei Egorov, who's 11-0. Um, we have now... This one takes place... It's going to be on Channel 5, by the way. Um... Friday night channel 5 Isaac Chamberlain 13 and 1 in a 10 rounder against the guy that Isaac not Isaac um Lawrence Sokoli just beat Dylan Prazovic who's I think from Croatia 15 and 1 with 12 KOs he got knocked out I think in the third round by Okoli. this is all from memory it's for the vacant IBF Inter- international cruiserweight title Isaac Chamberlain um fighting him over 10 rounds both guys have got this you know have got the one loss to the same man Lawrence Sokoli um it's taking place, by the way, at the National Sports Centre in Crystal Palace, London. That is, I mean, that is like stone far away from, from uh, you know, from where I grew up. Um... Yeah, can Isaac Chamberlain stop the guy in quicker in quicker time than Akole? Probably not, but you know he needs to win this. It's a it's a must win fight. Like everyone really is at this stage of Chamberlain's career. I think he's been grossly inactive. I mean, he's had 14 fights. He's he's got to be 27, 28 now. He needs to get moving, man. Um, Stephen Mckenna, one one half of the Irish brothers. He's 10 and 0 in a 10 rounder against Abdul. Quarte who's 19 and 5 big puncher this guy here it's for the vacant IBF youth welterweight title his brother Aaron McKenna 13 and 0 in an 8 rounder against Carlos Galigo who's 8 and 1 that one's for the vacant WBC youth middleweight uh world title um this Aaron McKenna I think it's Aaron McKenna they they were mentioning how many um how many people he sparred? Like the list of people that he sparred is quite incredible. I wanna, I wanna try and find that list a, a second here. Um Yeah, Aaron McKenna. He sparred with Jaime Munguia, Amir Khan, Sergei Lipanets, Jose Ramirez, Virgil Ortiz, Ivan Baranchik, Jose Cito Lopez, Jose Zapida. Um, Alexander Besputin, Esquiva Falcao, Luis Arias and Fazladin Gabe Nazarov. I mean that's an incredible list of sparring there. Um elsewhere on the card by the way, getting back to it Idris Virgo, the Love Island star, now 11 and 0 with a draw um, he's in an eight-rounder against Adam Trenado, who's six and two. Casey Benjamin, 14-1 one and one, in an eight-rounder against Winston Campos, who's 33-8-6. Mick Hennessy Jr., eight and one with a draw in a six-rounder. No opponent just yet for him. And the son of um of former heavyweight contender Scott Welch. Tommy Welch, 6-0 in a 6-rounder against Mladen Manev, who's 3-12. Moving out now to the Melbourne Pavilion in Victoria, Australia. Over here, random one, I'm not even sure why I'm mentioning it really. Former world champion Sam Solomon, 46-16 with a draw. In a 6-rounder against 6-1 Jesse White. (laughs) Um... Moving now to the International Conference Hall in Aichi, Japan, we've got Kosi Tanaka, 15-1. and 1. I'm sure that's his first fight back after losing uh, his O and his world title, I believe. He's in a 10-rounder against Sho Ishida, who's 29-2. and 2. Moving out now to Almaty in Kazakhstan. Over here we have um, Kamshebek Kunkebayev, who is 3-0. Probably saying his name wrong. He's fighting for the vacant WBA Gold World Cruiserweight title against Stephen Ward, 13-1. and 1. Stephen Ward was supposed to take on that guy. Twice they had the fight penned in on a boxer show. The guy's name I've forgotten. But anyways... Um, yeah, Stephen Wall gets this fight here in Kazakhstan. Um, also on the bill, Sultan Zorbak 11 and oh in a 10 rounder against Ryan Wheeler 16 1 and 1. That one for the WBO European Super Featherweight title. Um, moving now to the KRK in Russia over here. I didn't even know this card was taking place, by the way, but it's quite a star studded Russian card, really. Um We've got Shavkat zon the guy who's 15-0 with a draw, arguably beat Diaz. He gets in with the undefeated 16-0, real one, Oladosu, 16-0 over 10 rounds there. Also on the card, Dmitry Bivol defends his WBA World Super Light Heavyweight title against Umar Salomov, 26-1. Should be a good one there. Um, and the main event, Magomed Kurbanov, 22-0. Many people felt he lost last time out to Liam Smith, but he got the decision out there. He is now, uh, like I say, 22-0, and uh, defending his WBO international super world weight title against Patrick Texera, who's 31-2, and um, former world champion. He lost his belt to, was it? I can't remember who it was now. But anyway, whoever he lost his belt to, he's a former world champion. It's a good fight there for Karbinov. Moving out now to the Coca-Cola Arena in Dubai. Archie Sharp was supposed to be on the card. He has been pulled off of it. Um, I don't think I can say right now what, what, what the reason is behind him being pulled off of it. But anyway, the show goes ahead without him. Um, on the undercard, we have uh, John O'Carroll, 20-2 with a draw. An eight-rounder against Elio Mesquita, who's 20 five and one we've got donny Nietes, former i think four weight world champion boxing here for the wbo international super flyweight title Nietes 43 and one with five draws in a 12 rounder against norbelto jimenez who's 39 and five and i mean 39 and five not 39 um so yeah 30 wins nine losses five draws clearing up any confusion. Sonny Edwards defending his IBF Flyweight World title. Honestly, one of the best fighters in the country. Unbelievable fighter. Friend of the show. Um, So is John O'Carroll, by the way. I will throw that out there. He's defending his IBF, like I say, over 12 rounds against Jason Mama, who I think is from the Philippines. They're both 16-0. and 0. He's undefeated Jason Mama, of course. Um, I believe that's a mandatory defense there. And I think it's the main event. John Real Casimiro, 31-4, and 4, defending his WBO Bantamweight World title against former world champion Paul Butler, 33-2, friend of the show, Paul Butler. All the best to him. However, um He has been treading water for a long, long time waiting for a big fight. And it seems like, you know, this fight has come around, I think, at a bad time for him. I think he's burned out in his last couple of fights. And I think, I hate to say it, but I think he might get stopped here, to be honest with you, by the Filipino. But all the best to him. I'd love to see him pull it off and be a world champion again. Um, You know, really, really nice guy. I enjoyed speaking to Paul Butler when I interviewed him. I'm not even sure when it was now. Probably last year. Um, moving out now, again, I've been missing the friends of the show. I've been missing them. We we mentioned Isaac Chamberlain. We mentioned um, um, Dimitri Bivol, friend of the show. Some people probably won't remember that. Uh, Sonny Edwards, friend of the show. Paul Butler, friend of the show. John O'Carroll, friend of the show. Moving out now to the Echo Arena Liverpool over here. Connor Ben, 19-0, gets in with... Friend of the show and former world champion at 140, Chris Algeri, 25 and 3 there for Conor Ben's WBA Continental Welterweight title. Um, it's another steady step up for Conor Ben. It's another guy who I suppose is a fair step up actually from the likes of Samuel Vargas and the other guy who he boxed, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, he went in the distance with him in his last fight. Um, God, I don't like to check things. I like to just rely on my memory, which sometimes is a downfall. But anyways, whatever. It's a step up because Chris Algieri was a legitimate world champion at one point. But, you know, certainly his best days are behind him now. I mean, he hasn't been champion for, oh my gosh, how many years must it have been? But still a tough guy. Um, Who's he been stopped by Algieri? I know he got stopped by Errol Spence. Is that the only time he he got stopped off the top of my head I don't think he's been stopped other than that Um, I'm going to have to check it out unfortunately yeah got stopped by Errol Spence yeah the only person to have stopped him and it was obviously back in 2016 Um, went the distance and lost to Amir Khan went the distance with Manny Pacquiao even though he was down six times Um, but his last meaningful win I mean he beat Mikel Lesbier he beat Tommy Coyle but these are much lower level guys really than world champion level that win against Ruslan Provodnikov, I'll never forget that. It was unbelievable for Algeria. But yeah, he gets in with Conor Ben, who will be looking to try and stop him. And it will be a statement if he does it. Um, elsewhere on the card, we've got Robbie Davies Jr., friend of the show, 21-3, and 3, in a 10-rounder against Hank Lundy, 31-9-1, and 1, friend of the show as well. This one is for the vacant WBA continental super lightweight title. Hank Lundy was supposed to be taking on Lewis Ritson a few months ago. Most people thought that would be a really tough fight for Ritson. Now he's getting in there with Robbie Davies, who lost to Ritson. You know what? This is a tough fight for Robbie Davies. I'm just putting it out there. Hank Lundy showed he's not done when he went the distance last time out with um, with Jose Zapida. He is not done at all. On the card as well, Joe Cordina, 13-0 in a 10-rounder against Miko Kacaterian, who's also 13-0. Um, we've got Kalmina Gyarco, nine and O in a 10 rounder against 14 and oh Noe Larios Jr. there for the vacant WBA international middleweight title. We've got Jordan Gill, 26 and one in a eight rounder against Alan Castillo, who's 27 and 11. Um, that's it. There, moving out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. Friend of the show, Nonito Donaire. Absolute. We talk about you know Hall of Famers. This guy is a future Hall of Famer, undoubtedly. 41-6 and six in a 12-rounder against Raymark Gabayo, 24-0. Both guys from the Philippines there for the WBC Bantamweight World title. Um, I know Donair's going to win that fight. Gabayo absolutely robbed Emmanuel Rodriguez. He shouldn't be undefeated, and he's found his way into this fight. I tell you what, if there's odds on a knockout here for Donair, I will be taking them. I mean, the odds shouldn't even be close for that one. He's not that good, Gabayo um elsewhere on the card we've got a exciting prospect um Brandon Lee 23 and 0 I think he's got about 21 KOs he gets in with Juan Hernandez who's 16 and 1 with a draw over 10 rounds there we've got Quadratillo Kukarov, who is 18 and 0 in a 10 rounder against Cody Crowley that's a great fight Cody Crowley 19 0 really really good fight there um and we have Andrew Tabiti back in the ring. I think it's been a while since he's had a fight. 17-1 and 1 in a 10-rounder against Mitch Williams, who's 16-8-3. Uh, Castillo Clayton as well on the undercard. Uh moving out now to the Madison Square Garden over here on the undercard, Nico Ali Walsh, 2-0 in a four-rounder against 6-0 Reyes Sanchez. He seems like he's fighting guys with undefeated records or winning records every time. I think Nico Ali Walsh. Um, elsewhere on the card, Keyshawn Davis, six uh six rounder here. He's three and oh he gets in with Jose Zaragoza, who is eight, three, and one. Keyshawn Davis obviously um, he was in the Olympics earlier this year. He's back now as a pro. Um, we've got Xander Zayas. I think I'm saying his name wrong, but he's 11 and 0 from from uh, Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico, as I like to say. In a 6 round against Alessio Mastronunzio, who's nine and one. Um, friend of the show, heavyweight Jared Anderson. I I've got to say, Eddie, you you've got to watch this now. Jared Anderson, you like. You liked his last performance, 10-0 in an 8-rounder against Alexander Tezlenko, who I believe is a Ukrainian fighter based in Canada, if that's the same guy. He's 17-1, and the main event, Vassil Lomachenko, the wizard himself, 15-2, in a 12-rounder against friend of the show, former lightweight world champion Richard Comey, 30-3. and three. Obviously, both guys have lost to Teofimo Lopez. Comi got, got iced by Lopez, I think, in two or three rounds. And Lomachenko, we, we know what happened with Lopez, was quite a close fight in the end. But I tell you what, um, as I've said it time and time again, Lomachenko's not getting any younger. There has been fights where it looks like the miles on the clock are very apparent. And then his last fight, when he boxed Nakatani, he looked... Probably the best he's looked, but that was against Nakatani. Let me just tell you as well, his chin has been, you know, I mean, he's been down, hasn't he, since I think he's moved up to 135. Wasn't he down once or twice, Lomachenko? Richard Comey, arguably. Well, I'm not sure about arguably the hardest puncher, but certainly one of the the biggest punchers at the weight. Good fighter, and it's a good fight. It's a dangerous fight. Um, Lomachenko's not going to get him out of there in two rounds like Tiafimo did. It's it's a very risky fight here. No belt on the line. Uh, Moving out now to the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um... This is also Saturday night over here. Friend of the show, Jesse Hart, 27-3 in an eight-rounder against David Murray, who's 10-2-1. And that is about it, though, for the preview part of the show. We've gone through that as quick as possible. The final thing for me to do just before we wrap it up is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds okay and this wraps up episode 321 of the box hard podcast i've been your host joey coastman eddie chambers has been with me for the duration of the show a huge thank you to our special guest this week the reigning wbo light heavyweight world champion joe smith jr there has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Heavyweight Tony Yoka will be taking on Martin Bacoli on January 15th at the Accor Arena um, in France. That's going to be a really good fight there. I cannot wait to see what happens there. Is Yoka going to be good enough to beat Bacoli? Is Bacoli actually as good as people or some people say? We shall see. But that is about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.